get this thing kicked off we're gonna get this thing rolling but first off ladies and gentlemen we just need to um i'm gonna i'm gonna hop on the instagram real quick oh snap all right guys we are here and we are live for the second time officially this time we are actually gonna try and successfully record the podcast um for those of you listening and for the people who joined online too you guys know that we tried to record this podcast actually one time before and let's just say we had some technical difficulties so basically we are back for the second time recording episode number 20 Woo, we whoa, made it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. we made it we yes. made it y'all i think it's only you know i guess we're learning <laughs> <laughs> that even though we've recorded 20 episodes we're we still st we're still we're still learning we're still learning yeah we got a long way to grow with this but hey we'll we'll see what happens around episode 100 hopefully we're not dealing with the same issues or hey who knows we might be <laughs> maybe different issues different problems you were telling me i'm here as always with my wonderful co-host and my Voyager into the waves. How you doing today, Mr. Roberto Carlos? Excellent, excellent, Sam. Very good. I just had my cup of coffee. I'm it's so a more laid-back day today. It's it the is. weekend for us here. Yeah, very it's nice. Saturday. Very nice. Relax, chilling. I mean, in some contexts, they call it the Sabbath. Saturdays <laughs> are the Sabbath because they say Sunday is the start of the week. That's so what they say, yeah. If you're enjoying your Sabbath today, we're here. We're recording a podcast. Any Pharisees out there, don't don't shoot us down. If you say we're laboring on the Sabbath, oh. <laughs> <laughs> a little Bible joke there for oh. for you guys. But I don't know that that was a cringe joke. That's like a preacher joke. If you if you guys are ever at an event on a Saturday and they're like, oh, we're gonna get shot down by the Pharisees. We're laboring <laughs> on a Saturday. That's an old school joke. Well, Jesus did a lot of miracles in the Sabbath, and I think that's probably his busiest day. Let's be real. He'd probably be like, hey, let's go and hit the town. The markets are going to be going. That's going to be the time when there's the most people out. It's a weekend. People were not busy. Yeah. They were relaxing. They weren't working. Nope. I wonder if in those times they had a 40-hour work week. What do you think? Um, depends because uh, probably the, the, the ones that have business, they will work then just the 40 hours. That's but true. it's, you know, one, one of the things I noticed when I was in Israel that mm -hmm. the Sabbath is really like everything is closed. Um, you, you know, it's kind of like silent, I really? guess. Yeah. Oh no, definitely. We, so it's not as bad as what we have to go through here when Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're craving some good Chick-fil-A. Hey, you want to have a nice chicken sandwich. Over there, if it's Saturday and you're craving anything, good luck, buddy. Yeah. yeah that's the, interesting. You have to buy it the day before. That's what I was going to say. I've heard, um, like even in like more Americanized, um, Jewish people who practice the Jewish faith, and in this case, I guess we can call them Jews, they even practice the Sabbath in modern-day equivalent. So, like, they can't turn their lights on on Saturdays, mm -hmm. for example. Like, just saying, in 2022, they still observe those types of things. But you were just in Israel, weren't you? 20 yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like I said, uh, when we're driving in the uh, tour bus, uh, we went to um, kind of like the downtown or some areas. In Tel Aviv? Yes, nice. and it was kind of like silent. Like, and the driver used to say, you know, everything is closed. Nobody's big. Why? Because it's the Sabbath. He was just saying. So I have a question: Is it Jerusalem is not the capital of Israel, right? It's Tel Aviv. Well, Tel Aviv is is kind of like we can say the business side. 
when you see all the uh, business and everything. But the Jerusalem is the capital of... The historical capital. But I think like... Because you'll have the you have the old Jerusalem and the the new Jerusalem. What is the new Jerusalem? Kind of the, uh, I, mean, I thought the new Jerusalem is streets of gold oh. and rivers of honey. Come on, man! Oh, look La at, Nueva Jerusalem. I thought that's that's heaven, is it not? No. Well, you have the old part with all the uh, like pretty it. much what yeah. the tourists go. You know, that's one oh, one that's one side. That, Never mind. Yeah. It is that one side that you go when you visit Israel. They will take you to all the different places. and But also, they have the what they call the modern. And then you will see all this business. Nice, very nice hotels, very nice restaurants. I mean, But that's in Tel Aviv, you're saying? Yes. Or not in Jerusalem? No. It's funny because I'm here just pulling up, and it says that over 70 years ago, it was President Truman who recognized the state of Israel, and ever since then, Israel has made its capital in the city of Jerusalem. Yes. So not Tel Aviv, I was no. mistaken. No, Jerusalem. That's sick. Yeah. But oh, like, you know, here. going yeah. back going back Saturday is, you know, is The Shabbat. Yeah, nobody, you know, business are closed, people, they don't work. It's kind of like silent. They they observe the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. An observation. I, I, I don't know if here in uh, California, I haven't seen that much. Maybe some uh, Jewish neighborhood, you'll be able to see it. That is kind of like quiet. I think New York, they have a lot. New York, I think they see it. I mean, because there is a lot There's of Jewish people. There's more Jewish-owned businesses there. Yeah, In New York, yes. Yeah, probably. I mean, the majority of like the Jewish community here, the biggest things I've seen are probably like these, um, the PJ uh, PJCCs, Peninsula Jewish Community Centers. Oh, okay. There's, they're pretty big. There's one in Mountain View. Yes. There's one in Foster City. Like they're kind of scattered throughout different places throughout the peninsula. But I think that's kind of like the biggest Jewish owned business that I've seen here in the Bay Area. I don't know if there's really many out there. But did you know, like, for example, like New York is pretty prevalent for bagels, like, you know, like a New York bagel, but uh -huh. bagels are an, a Jewish invention. Yeah. Really? You didn't oh, know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. The best bagels, you gotta you gotta get an Israeli person to make you bagels. Mm. Because it's interesting. Do you know how bagels are made? No. Guess. It's like, a, it's like a, the donut? How do you make a bagel? If you were to, because you said you have experience in the bakery world, so. Oh, well, you, you make your, the dough. Okay. And then you prepare the dough, the different ingredients, and then you put it in the oven. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like you have like a nice French bread or sourdough bread. Yeah. Well, actually, bagels are boiled. Really? Yeah. That That's how you make bagels. I, I actually just recently found this out. Really? I, I watched the video. Um, I'm not going to... Where they boil it? I mean... In water. Oh, water. Yeah, okay. like you boil them. That's what mm. I'm saying. But basically, there's this guy. Um, he's a celebrity or he's a rapper. His name is Action Bronson. He's a little bit explicit, guys. So I don't know. If you, if you guys are sensitive, probably don't go look him up. But he has <laughs> he's a chef. Like he was traditionally a chef. And then he transitioned into being a rapper. But he still has a lot of passion for food. And so he has a YouTube channel... The title is explicit, but you can go look it up. Just look up Action Bronson Food. Um, yeah, you'll find it, his YouTube channel. But he has a lot of videos of him going and just trying different foods and doing different things. And so he, one of his videos is um, Best Bagel in New York. Wow. And it's in basically this factory where they make bagels. And the owners are all, it's all a Jewish family-owned business. And they make the best bagels, apparently. And so on that video is where I saw that you make them. I think you bake them at the end, 
like to give them that crunch or to give them mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. But look, well, we got to be a little bit delicate with the situation over here. But can you see what I, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah. So oh, look at for the those big of you pot. guys yeah, who that, are obviously listening here, I'm, I have a couple pictures pulled up here of um, how they make bagels and what we basically see here is kind yeah, of how like we were describing it. Yeah. Is that is that kind of like a special pot or? No, I think that's a normal pot. Look. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just basic, but like. Essentially, what they what they do is they grab the dough, they give it the bagel shape, and then what we're seeing here, just after you can Google search just how to make bagels. <laughs> That's what I typed in, and they put them in boiling hot water. It looks like it's pretty pretty hot, and they I guess they just let them cook in there for a little bit um, before they put them in the oven because they once they do that they like season them as you can see yes, they you give see, them yeah. like if you've ever had like the With sesame the bagels yeah. the cheese bagels whatever and then after that they throw them in the oven so i i think it's because they want it to f- be fully cooked from the inside because a bagel like is pretty dense you know what i'm saying yeah like i think the type of starch and because i don't you know it's in jewish culture so I'm assuming this bread has no le- uh, yeast in it, right? To make, there's no, it's what they call unleavened. Unleavened bread. Yeah, I'm yes. sure bagels are kosher. So, mm. you know, there's probably something. Very interesting. Yeah, there's probably something within there. But now I'm wondering if Jesus used to eat bagels. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little uh, bit of cream cheese on them or what? Yeah. A lot of cheese. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I, I, Which I think, one is your favorite? I'm a big fan of the ra- I, I like raisin bagels. Raisin bagels. A bagel. lot of people are probably like, "What the heck? This fool is tripping with the raisins." But nah, I'm a big raisin fan. I'm I'm just be out there and say it. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I go to the store and buy a pack of raisins. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna eat some raisins right now. No, 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 no. But I'm a fan of raisins in like anything. So like, my favorite cake is carrot cake. It has raisins. Or like, if you guys know. Shout out all my Latinos. If we have arroz con leche, uh, <laughs> you got to throw some raisins in that boy. Throw some raisins. There is no uh, arroz and leche without raisin for Samuel. Not for me. For me, yeah. For me, I'm not going to eat it if it doesn't have raisins. Like, honestly, I'll throw in, like, a lot of raisins. Like, I don't know. It's almost like it looks like sopa de frijoles by the end of it. Yeah. Like, the mixture of rice. Why, because, because it's sweet? No. I just oh, like the raisins. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I just... The, the tartness, like okay. the sourness of it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I feel like they're good to me, but some people don't like them. I, I am a fan. How about you? What's I your like favorite it. bagel though? I like the one, the uh, um the poppy seed. Mm, I don't like the flavor the poppy seeds have. Yeah. You like that? Like it's like arrow. It has like an aroma. Like it gives it a little like, not spiciness, but like. Yeah. When you put the cream cheese and then warm it, it's good. That's true. It's good. I know that people are probably fans of the uh, the everything bagel, mm. like the one that has sesame, the poppies, the sesame, everything, yeah, yeah. like the really crazy one. Yeah. What would be the a nice uh, bagel place around here? There's no bagel places around here. You can just go to Costco buy some bagels. Nah. Come on, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the Noah's uh, bagel here. Noah's in, uh, bagels Rupert's, is good. It's still, it's still. Uh, good. Yeah. Okay. There's 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 no Noah's bagels around. Sorry, there's Noah's bagels around here in the Bay Area. Um, but yeah, I mean bagels are. Like I said, probably New York is the best pl- okay. place for some bagels or, I don't know, maybe L.A. or just these niche places. But, like, it's not a common food. But you know what is a common food? And the topic of this podcast, as we all know, we're here in our 
typical flow for our seasons now where obviously we wrapped up last season you know it was a it was a great season shout out everyone that's been joining us along the the ride for it was a great season i feel like we learned a lot specifically we were kind of taking a, a very very focus hard heavy focus on leadership um but yeah we're gonna basically in our typical fashion we're wrapping up our season with a q a this is our second q a actually um, well, technically, it's our third because we've recorded it twice. But <laughs> yesterday, while we were recording this, we had a bunch of people hopping in our live. Shout out everyone that, that joined us. It was an experience. Us. It was awesome. Yeah, Very it was nice. fun. I like the vibe. I like the feeling. I mean, we had so many people. It I was mean, fun for us. Yeah. And sadly, the the content was not recorded and it is lost in the, I don't know, whatever universe that that exists in but that data is lost ladies and gentlemen but we are back we are here and so on the topic of food i think it's only fitting that we answer one of our first q a's and it's going to get very 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 serious here ladies and gentlemen we're gonna tone it down i know we were talking about bagels but now we're gonna get a little bit serious and i don't know roberto here's the question for you you ready to get this q a kicked off from bagels let's get deep we're gonna go what is the best taco spot in the Bay Area? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but we're kicking off the Q&A strong, so lay it on us, man. Well, well, what you thinking? For me, as a Salvadorian, it's hard to say. <laughs> That's true. You're asking the wrong cats. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. But I like, you know, Redwood City, the ones that are uh, El Grugense. By Fifth Avenue, still classic, classic. classic one because Redwood City staple. Yeah, because uh, we used to live by 10th Avenue, and even in the middle of the night, we used to go to El Gruyense. Very nice tacos. Then they closed it and then just reopened. I think uh, it burnt down. Oh, it really? Yeah, it lit on fire. Mm. You never saw it when it was burnt no, down? no, no, no. Yeah. So the story is that apparently some somehow it caught on fire. Yeah. And that, that's why they closed it down. Maybe too much grease. I don't even know, but <laughs> it's a kitchen. It's a small kitchen. It, it, like, it was a small kitchen. If you ever go there, yeah. you'll be like, whoa. But they produce high-quality food. Yes. So at the end of the day, you don't need much to get it cooking in there. But you'd say those are the best ones? I mean, for me personally, yes, I like those. Even in Redwood City, we have a different El Grugenses. But when my first thing, when I want to you know, eat a good taco, I go there. Facts, facts, facts. Yeah. And of course... Uh, the direction for that is going to be on Fifth Avenue in Redwood City, California. So if you're in the 94061, make sure you stop by per Mr. RC's recommendation. He's saying Griense. And here's the here's the thing, right, with taco places. There's so many of them in the Bay Area. I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and my answer is going to be a little bit of a multi-tier, multi-tiered answer because it really just depends where you're at. If you're in the South Bay, if you're yeah, in the Peninsula, right. if you're in the North Bay, if you're in the East Bay, it, it all depends where you're at, really. And so for me personally, if we're, if we're in the South Bay, if we're in that region, apparently... Um, one of the one of our boys who was on here, my guy Isaac Sanchez, shout out shout out our boy Isaac Sanchez, all the way from Salinas. He's from the Marina type area. He was saying that the best taqueria in that area is El Charrito. If you're in Salinas, California, it's so a central, uh, central central coast, yeah, the central, central coast, coast, central yes. bay, whatever I guess you want to call that. But as we start to make our way a little bit more down the map, there, San Jose ish mm. area. Um, for me personally. One of the best things that I've had is a little bit more, it's kind of in its own category. It's not the best, per definition, street tacos. But uh, 
I don't know if you're familiar with these quesabirrias that have been getting really yes. popular. And yeah. so there's a really, really good taqueria that um shout out one of my friends from Echo, our worship leader there, um, Bree and Caleb. They put me onto this spot called Nuevas Generaciones, and it's a food truck really? in San Jose. Yeah, mm. it's um near the guitar center. There's multiple guitar centers in San Jose. I'm not from that area. I'm sorry. You're going to have to it's forgive by, me. It's uh, by Stephen Creek, uh, the guitar center down uh, San Jose, right? It's I'd say it's probably like 10 to 15 minutes away from the Sunnyvale campus. So wherever that is. Yeah. There's like a bunch of car dealerships and things near there. So All Stevens Creek that's is Stephen Creek. Yes. Okay, then. Uh, that's the street. That's the street that it, it is a main street. It's like an El Camino type street. It's a big yeah. street, yes. So if you're in that area, Stevens Creek Boulevard yes. near the Guitar Center, hit up Nuevas Generaciones Food Truck. Trust. You won't regret it. And now, obviously, here in the peninsula, my boy over here is saying that the best taco spot is the corner El Griense on 5th. It's good. Don't get me wrong, it's fire. But any making of a good taco spot, if you're going to go for street tacos, there needs to be one condition, and that is it needs to be cash only, y'all. If it's not <laughs> cash only, I'm sorry. Yes, it's convenient, but you're not necessarily going to find the best tacos there. It's just the fact. So that being said, you're going to want to get get yourself a nice little wad of cash and take yourself over to Middlefield in Redwood mm. City, California. And that is what we like to call Little Mex here. The locals, we call it that's Little Mexico. So you take a nice little drive down Middlefield Road and you're going to find this taqueria um, near whenever you see Costco on Middlefield. It's a little bit past Costco across from the North Fair Oaks Public library and that is a taqueria called buen taco and that honestly to me i'd say it contests for probably the best taqueria in the bay area for me personally because i really love what they have they don't just offer tacos that's the great thing i've had their tacos fire bomb but they also offer a bunch of different things like chavindecas, vampiros, um, volcanitos, just a bunch of different little things that are fire. So if you're ever in that area, you want to make sure you stop by Buen Taco. I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. You have tried the uh, tacos from Fifth Avenue, right? Of course. Yeah, many times. Multiple times. Now you're talking about this uh, new place. Buen taco. Okay. What it would be the difference? I mean, what would be, right. can, can you uh, say, I, you know, let's say right now, let's going to go and have tacos. And you say, where we go? We're going to yeah. go to the middle. I mean, Why? I mean, like. I'm going there for, for two main reasons. Okay. First of all, Griense is a chain, mm -hmm. meaning that there's multiple Griense's. While this one does have one of the best quality, the, the one on Fifth Avenue, it's still a chain, meaning that their focus is like just produce it, get it mass done, produce, mass production, yes. and like they mastered the formula. Okay. However, Buen Taco, they're not a chain. They're one spot. The family is a family-owned business. It's a family-owned business. It's literally un señor mm -hmm. con sus hijos. Like if you've ever been there, you'll, yeah, you'll, been you'll there. meet them and yeah. it's probably the same people you'll see. It's a little store. Like mm -hmm. it's not just a taqueria. Yeah. Like it, it's a multi-purpose place and... What I love about them is that it's you you could tell that it's high quality materials, like good tortillas, good meat, the flavors are there, the attention to how they're crafting it. It's almost like if you feel it like they made it with some love. Over there at a Griente, sometimes I'm like, damn, this thing's put together, but <laughs> hey, gonna re-up. It's still your fire. Yeah. yeah. Whereas over there, you sit there, you mm. take your time. In addition to that, ellos no te preparan los tacos. So it's like when because I've been to Mexico. 
So oh, okay. I've had the pinnacle of street oh, tacos, right? I know right. I've been to the motherland. Yeah, I know what yeah, a good yeah. taco is. So, um, mm. and over there, it's it's typical. Like if you go to the good spots, you pour whatever salsa, how much cilantro, how much cebolla, whatever you want. You handle it. You customize it okay. to your style. If you like the zanahorias, so Buen Taco has that. They have the salsa bar and the toppings bar, like on the backside where you go and you sit. Oh. So all they do is they they hand you, the, the, just they the, hand you the the uh, just the, the tortillas meat and, the, and tortilla. the meat, and then you put everything you want. Or if your tacos have cheese, because some of them like the chavindecas and the vampire, oh. the vampiros have melted mm. cheese. So bro, fire. But anyways, they have like everything there for you. So if you're in the peninsula, that is, and and honestly, I'd say it's one of the best in the bay for me personally. But well, if you guys are, you know, listening from the uh, more North Bay type area, yeah. we had a couple people chiming in yesterday on the live. They were saying, of course, the legendary Farolito Taqueria over on, of, uh, on Mission 24th Street and, and Mission. Yeah, Mission, yeah. yes. Um, again, cash only. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. No Venmo, no Apple Pay there. So take your water cash, but they're good. It, that was one a recommendation of a, from a chef, huh? That was a chef's recommendation. I mean, that, that, that we have to consider Wait, that. We do got to add that in there. Shout out to la Hermana Maritza. Yes, um, Hermana Maritza. One of our, I think we shouted her out. Was it yesterday? We were talking about yes. her catering. Yeah, yeah she was you're right. Yeah, yeah, she was with us on the stream. Yeah. And so she's um, a local Bay Area business. Yes. She owns her own company, a catering company, actually. Yes, and yes. Honestly, 10 out of 10 would recommend. So if you guys are looking for her style of cuisine, I'd say is like a fusion style. Yeah. She is 100% Colombian. She is from Colombia. Puro Pablo Escobar. Buenaventura. Buenaventura, Medellin Cartel. Tranquilo por allá en Colombia. But yeah, she's from Colombia. So her style of cuisine, very, very unique, interesting flavors, and a big, big emphasis on clean uh, like low fats, like yeah. things like using avocado oils, more natural based products. Um, honestly, really good, and you feel good after eating it. Like it doesn't sit heavy on your stomach. So if you're interested for maybe your next small event, small gathering, uh, find Definitely. her. Find her on Instagram. Get in contact with one of our boys, um, Royce, on Instagram. Shout out Royce. He's also connected. It's his mom. So it's a family owned business uh, from the Bay Area. We've known them for many years. But she recommends her best taco spot is El Farolito El in Farolito. San Francisco yeah. off of 24th and Mission. So if you guys are over there, I'd say check out that spot. And I'd say something that I can add to our honorable mention on our list that I think is worth mentioning for the best taco spot in the Bay Area, um, just because they're a little bit different. This is um, it's in San Mateo. It's from my my part of the bay where I'm currently located out over there in the uh, six five zero. But it's called Taqueria El Nayarit, mm, and so okay, um, that's in San Mateo. Yeah. And if you're ever in that area or you want to try something different, if you're from the bay, I'd say go check that spot out because they're interesting. They're one of the only spots I know of that still offers talk they make normal tacos, of course, but then you can have the option to pay a little bit extra and you can get tacos. Um, con tortillas hechas a mano mm -hmm. which is like the Mexico vibe like yeah. when you go to Mexico it's tortillas hechas a mano almost like 50, uh, 80% of the time like it's rare over there like the tortillas are hechas a mano so this restaurant has the option for you to get tortillas hechas a mano for your tacos and i think it's one of the only spots that i know where is located uh, i don't know where specifically uh it's in san mateo though let me see look if i up. can put, look it, up, put so. it up they're interesting too because they don't only sell like tacos it's a it's a restaurant 
So like they have mariscos, they have so pupusas, can, oh, they have like a, I mean, I don't drink. You, I, we don't promote drinking on here, so. So but you, can have have a, you can have a nice soup then. They have soup too. Sopa, Carlos, Siete Mares, stuff like that. It closes at 2 a.m., so it's open open late, but yeah, it's so located. What's the address? It's located on Third Avenue oh, in San Mateo. Okay. That's a really really. There's it, a lot of good food. It's like a small. It's like a small market, right? No, no, Inside, no. Or just no. a food restaurant? It's just a restaurant. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really really good. Honestly, Look at that. wow. We've been. I think I think if you remember, we've we've gone there together. Yeah, yeah, probably. They sell pupusas and stuff like that too. But honestly, really really good. If you're in that area, I'd say it's worth checking it, out. It, Look it, at that. Boom. Yeah. Is right that the same pupusa we had the other day with? Uh, no, 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 no. Different, no. right? That's way different. This is um, those are pupuseria aminta. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's pupusas. But we're here talking about tacos. But yeah, yes. <laughs> if the, if you're in the Bay Area and you're looking for the best taco spot, there we go. We laid it. We laid it down for y'all. A couple different spots throughout the Bay. Whatever works for you guys, let us know what you guys think is the best taco spot yeah, in the definitely. Bay Area. If maybe there's spots we haven't heard of, haven't even tried. Maybe some people you guys might say La Victoria is a good one. It's overrated in my opinion. Have you tried La Victoria? From where? I mean, it's a chain. Oh, there's, okay. There's no. a lot. Mm -mm. No. There's, there's one in downtown Redwood City. You've never been? No, no. Uh, the other chain is Una Mas. Remember? Una Mas. They're bad. Like That's not even Mexican food. <laughs> what know. are you talking about? No, but I mean, people That's like That's like the... saying, hey, the best tacos in the Bay Area, go to Chipotle. Come on. <laughs> Terrible. Well, Look at this guy. He's Salvadorian. He don't know what he's talking about. Well, Maybe ask him about the pupusas. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to find a nice pupusería. Do you like that one? Pupusería Minta? Or? Yeah, very good. It's good? I like it. Honestly, you, you, what you guys need to do is you guys got to find the, li like, literally, go around your neighborhood if you guys are looking for good pupusas and just find the ladies who are selling them from their house. Most likely, you're going to want to pull up to the, um, let's say, the more... Uh, populated parts of your city the parts where perhaps there's more apartments more of a latino population not to be shady or anything bro but it's just the truth come on let's be real you ain't got people selling pupusas in menlo park so pull up to <laughs> to some more uh let's say diverse where, where where the culture is strong where there's where there's some 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 familia where there's some raza you know where maybe there's a couple kids running around and yelling and stuff Go to that apartment complex and if and ask around if they're selling. Like for example, there's a lady right here. Oh, and in, from, yeah, in from this, she makes them pretty good. Yeah, like honestly, I'd say they're better than the ones from the restaurant. Yeah, oh, definitely. You yeah. see, so like even from your opinion, the restaurant ones are okay, but find a lady no. who makes them and you yeah. can get lucky with some good ones. Like yeah. at our church, you know, like depends on who's making them. I remember my grandma used to Ooh, yeah, sell definitely. pupusas a lot. I mean, it, I mean, it it takes a lot to make pupusas. Hay una maña. There's something to it. I'd always tell my grandma que eh, eh, lo que es es la mano. La mano de la señora. Like just... Oh, the, la palmeada. Yeah, it's the way they make the little ball. I'm like, that's what it is, bro. Because a lot of people can, quote unquote, make pupusas. Oh, yo sé hacer pupusas. Yo sé, I know how to make pupusas. But let's be real. Do, do, are they good? Like, are they enjoyable? How many times have you had bad pupusas? Uh, very often. <laughs> Because, I mean, for me, let's say I'm, I'm a Salvadorian. You're, yeah, you okay. know what you're okay. looking for. I'm a Salvadorian. The first thing that I want to try, let's say, right now, um, if you ask me, you want you want tacos, you want pupusas, I would say I'll go for the pupusas. The thing is that, uh, like you said, you know, you try 
tacos from Mexico. So you're, you have a you're, you're waiting kind of like the same experience. So for me, it's the same. When Not, I, for me, it's the same. Like I want to have that experience when I go to La Pupuseria. How about the one that remember um, Cosme's family? Oh, yeah. Is that a good one? Oh, the, very good. Where's that one? Ooh, that, that's, um, it's in San Jose. What's it called? Pupuseria Los Dubon. Okay, so if you guys are looking for some uh, good pupusas. I, I'm going to tell you something. You right. know, the lady, okay, um, she has uh, his YouTube channel. Mm. And I think, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm correct, but it is, uh, she has like a million followers in his and her YouTube the channel. O- the owner? The owner, yes. Whoa. Yes, la abuelita. Why? Uh, because she cooks good. So she makes like tutorials or something? Yeah. <laughs> if you pull up uh YouTube channel and uh, put Pupuseria Los Dubon, uh-huh. I think you will see it. And I was so amazed how many people follow her in, in the YouTube channel because she makes pupusas, uh, panes con, con, con pollo, uh, is it tamales. Cosi- is it Cocinando con Sulma? Probably, yes. Los is Duboni. her name Sulma? No. Yes. No, it's, it's, it's an old lady. But um, that's, I mean, I was so in shock when, when Cosme told, uh, told me, he said, hey, you know, are you a follower of uh, Los Dubón? I said, where? Yeah, in, in the YouTube channel. Hmm. They have a lot of followers. So that means that the recipe is good. Nice, nice. I'm just seeing a bunch of different pupuserias on here. I'm I'm over here seeing do you know who Anthony Bourdain is? No. Oh man. R.I.P. Anthony Bourdain, one of the goats in the food cooking industry. His show Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain. You've never seen clips of it? No. I'm sure if I showed you a picture of him, you'd recognize who he is. But um world class chef and unfortunately he passed away um I believe actually recently. Um he committed suicide, unfortunately, but he was one of the greatest. And so I was just looking on here on YouTube and he visited a pupuseria in, oh, De- in Detroit. Okay. And he says that it's one of the best pupusas ever. Mm. And I'm just looking at this footage and they have caldo de res, tienen hígado. They have like some crazy stuff. Let's see if we can pull it up real quick. They got the cola champagne. Yeah, oh, it's snap. a classic, told you. You can have a pupusa with a cola champagne. They got the caldo de res right there. Yeah. Do you see what I'm? Do you kind of see what I'm showing you? Right yes. There? Fire. But yeah, I mean, if you want to go to a good pupuseria, I guess San Jose pupuseria los Dubon. Pupuseria los Dubon. They're very good. They just opened a new. Um, Do they I meet think your, in Santa Clara? That you were talking about the standard, right? About. Because you're Salvadorian, so like, what are you looking for in the you're quality? Looking, yeah. you, you're looking for a, a, also a good curtido. Mm. The curtido have to do have to you know very good curtido. I don't also, like it. that's oh, the basically uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's like uh, it goes paired with the pupusas. By the way, can you just explain what a pupusa is? Because what if some people don't know what it is? Well, I know everyone knows what tacos well, are. Well, pupusa is made of uh, um, of tortilla. If we can say the base of tortilla. But they have um, what they call chicharrón. as like a pork. You're explaining it way too complicated. The way you can think about it is if you essentially take uh, like a dough. They make dough out of um, what they call harina. Right? La masa. It's, they make this dough. In Spanish, it's called masa, but it's corn-based. Corn-based. So it's essentially, you can think of it like a little dumpling that these ladies make of this masa 
and they fill it with different fillings. You can choose cheese, you can choose beans. Like he mentioned, you can choose chicharrón, which is pork. Meat, refried beans. Refried beans. Like it's, or you can get what is known as revuelta, which is mixing all mix the flavors oil, together. Yeah. So, and essentially they make these little mini balls that kind of resemble dumplings or like pork buns, and they're just these spheres. And then they flatten them out into like this little disc or like a saucer shape that's like a chubby little saucer filled with whatever you chose beans cheese uh meat and so then they put a little bit of oil on a sizzling hot like skillet almost type thing what they call it the plancha, La plancha yes. this is like just a griddle and they let it cook yep. from the inside out let it get hard let it get nice and crunchy let it get warm let the cheese melt let the meat simmer whatever it might be and then that's what they call it, pupusa. So honestly, I recommend them. They're very, very good if you're looking to try it. I, I mean, I'm assuming most of the people listening have tried it, but just in <laughs> case you haven't, y'all are missing out. But continue. They're paired with this curtido. Del curtido, which yes. Which is like... It's um, made a uh, costla. Uh, cabbage. The cabbage. Yeah. And then you put some vinegar. Vinegar. And you... You allow it to ferment. Yes. The word the, curtido in Spanish means essentially not rotten, but in in English, it's um cured, like okay. you will like cured. Like yeah, you let the ever, uh, vinegar you let cure. the vinegar cook it. Yes, yeah. And then you put uh, onions, and then some people put uh, carrots, carrot, and you put jalapenos, and then also um cilantro, oregano, oregano. So and it's like an aromatic, basically like a coleslaw. If you've yes. ever had coleslaw, but uh, the Salvadorian equivalent and vinegar based. And so it's kind of like a topping that you use yes. along with what they like the way tacos have salsa, pupusas also have salsas. But the thing about El Salvador is that tell them, man, tell them the truth. Let them know what what, what do you guys think about spiciness? We don't really use a lot of spiciness yeah, in weak. El Salvador. But one other thing is that the crucial to eat pupusa, it, eat it with your hands. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's like a taco. You're yeah. not going to go and eat tacos with the fork. No, 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 no. Even though I do. No, <laughs> no, no. So I evolved, though. When I was a kid, I used to eat them with my hands. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to El Salvador, you go to a pupuseria, you're not going to see forks. You're not going to see exist. knife. You use Napkins. your hands. You use your hands and you grab with your hands and that's, that's the tasteful. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty It's pretty good. Like uh, when I was a kid and I used to do the hand approach, I used to just open them all up. Yes. Just spread them all mm -hmm. out. Get like basically your plate looks like a plate of tacos, kind of like just. Yeah. And you grab the pupusa like a taco. In this case, if you put curtido, the filling of, the, of your pupusa taco is the cabbage. But yes. I don't use that. Um, I just put a little bit of sauce on my And then pupusas. la salsa, uh, tomato, tomato fire. sauce, and then boom. Fire, fire, fire. But and yeah. That's that's the pupusa world, pupuseria minta San Mateo. Yes, solid, definitely and very good. Pupuseria los Dubon, Dubon San and Jose. San Jose. Yes, but like I said, honestly, local businesses is the way to go. The best, find yes. find a lady or a guy. I don't know. I've never met guys. It's weird. You could find taqueros, but you never see Pupuseros. guys making pupusas. <laughs> true or false? It is true. Cuando yeah. cuando, cuando tú has visto un señor haciendo never, pupusas? Never, never. Not yeah. even in El Salvador, probably. No, huh? no. It's really interesting. Now I'm like, dang. I guess El Salvador is sexist. Dang, you guys are shady. Because <laughs> I've seen taqueros and oh, no, taqueras. Definitely. I've seen both. Well, I uh, remember one of our friends, uh, Braulio. Mano Braulio. Yeah. yeah, he was a legit. He used to have a, a nice dish. Yeah. Doing, ooh, it's fire. Did like, you like? Did you like his tacos? He had a certain. I forgot where he was from. He wasn't from Puebla. He was. 
I forgot where he was from. You, he had a style of tacos. Yeah. You know he was, passed away? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Hermano Braulio. But yeah, he used to come and I preferred those days when we would sell tacos outside of church as opposed to pupusas because I grew up with my grandma. So for me, my standard of pupusa, unfortunately, you could call me a pupusa snob, <laughs> like nariz alta with the pupusas, but I got spoiled as a kid. I grew up eating pupusas whenever, honestly, whenever I wanted. If I really asked, it's good. They're good. And we'd probably eat them like, what, three times a month? Yeah. Oh, more than that. Yeah, I more, at least right. one once a week. Once a week. Especially Saturdays. Yeah, once a week. Saturday or Sunday, cheese to have in the, the refreshed. Just buy or like make a small batch, yes. like and custom to you, however you want it. So, bro, I'm telling you, she would, you'd be like, can you make me some little ones? Can you make me a big one? Whatever you want, champ, I got you. So, like, my grandma has bars. Shout out my grandma Rita. I know she don't listen to the podcast. She probably doesn't even know what a podcast is, but she's out there in the land of El Salvador, Bitcoin land. You know, I was asking her about it the other day, and she doesn't use Bitcoin. She doesn't. I know, dude. It, it really made me sad. I was like, I was expecting her to tell me, hey, yeah, I have some Bitcoin. I was going to be like, okay, grandma. But no, she she says she doesn't use it. I was like, mm, whatever. And she says that no one really uses it. Like, I asked her, like, so when you go to the market, buy bananas, whatever, or apples, whatever, she's like, no, no. <laughs> no one uses Bitcoin. <laughs> so I'm like, dang. I'm disappointed, but. but but they use it a lot. I mean, especially the the young people. That's that's the way they do transaction. That's the way they do it because um, the president, the one right now, he he, he pushes a lot. The like Bitcoin. how do they use it though? I mean, I mean, like, there's some stores that they no they receive. Oh yeah, they receive the Bitcoin. You can go some stores, some tienditas, and they have the big sign that you can pay with Bitcoin. Especially yeah. I don't know. Look, look in the uh, Google it, and you will. You don't see. even see that here. No, but over there, yeah. Like I, I mean, I see. Like one thing I have started to see is like Bitcoin ATMs. Have you seen them? Mm, like Seven no. Elevens and certain things. Mm, they're rare, but like there's these signs popping up for like Bitcoin ATMs where I guess you can deposit cash mm. in exchange for Bitcoin. Okay. I don't know how it works, but it's interesting because that's all run by computers. And so, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Bitcoin. Do you know how it works? Not really. Not not into it too much in the Bitcoin. Okay. Okay. Well, we won't get into it today because it's it's kind of complicated to explain the whole concept of blockchain and what mining yeah. is and all these sorts of things. Be, but be, El Salvador is one of the first uh, Central American countries that are They are really, the first. They're no really, one else. Yeah. They're actually the, one of the first in the entire world. Really pushing it, huh? Yep. Exactly, to adopt it as its national currency. Yes. That's exactly what they did. So they're currently in a 50-50 split with the U.S. dollar and Bitcoin. I don't know how they're doing it. Again, my grandma is a typical example of the average population, and she's not using it. I don't think my cousins are using it. I don't think my... I doubt my uncles are using it. So, like, I don't know how effective it might be. Next time, I will I will ask, yeah, I will should, ask my uh, nephews. You should ask them. Yeah. But... Basically, that that's kind of where we're going. Let's let's move on to our next question here. That was wanna... that was a, that was a long answer. Hey, we we <laughs> we taking our time here. We're enjoying it. We it's a Q and A. It's a bit more laid back. It's hopefully you guys can enjoy it. But we're moving on to our next question here. We're gonna go ahead and just skip through some of these. Something that I was asked by one of our good good faithful listeners on the podcast. I think he's one of our earliest listeners. But he asked basically. 
Um, and I thought this was really interesting for us to, to dive into. It's what is one thing we have learned about each other throughout this podcast? Mm. That's a deep one. It is. We're, deep... we're starting to get into the deep end here, like we like to do into the waves. Very personal, deep. personal, emotional. What do you think, man? What is one thing you have learned about me over these 20 episodes? One thing I have learned from you is that you like uh, really do things with excellence. Mm. You don't like things, do a half job. Uh, you are a person that also you are committed of what you do, especially even that might seem... Um, no, nobody listen or we don't have a lot of followers back. Dang, the people listening are like, what the heck? No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, because sometimes like, let's say you expect a lot of people, sure. right? Yeah. But even that all these 22 episodes, 20, 20, you, you really, I can see in you that energy. I can see that you, that dedication for, for what you're doing. So for me, it, it teach me a lot mm. because as a young, as a young man and, It's like, wow. So you would say that, because the question is like, that's something you learned about me? You 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 would say that's not something you knew or you just hadn't seen that side? I probably haven't seen it in mm. in the professional way. Got it. That's for me, yes, you, you are my son, mm -hmm. but seeing the way you carry this, you know, let's say as a, as a project, as a business. As a business, yeah. Yes, I see that you're really very uh, devout, that you're really very responsible. Um, and for me, it's like, hmm, I, I, I need I need to learn that. Be more responsible, uh, be more <laughs> persistent because you're persistent. I'd say okay. I'd say one. Uh, thank you, of course, for saying all those things. If, for me, it's really hard to receive compliments. I know you're the same way, so uh, it'll be weird in a second. But I'd say I don't know if I'm the most responsible person. Like, because I'll be honest, there are some things that I like my, I slack on it a little bit, but. I think one thing that I can say rather than persistent, because there's times where I'm, you know, maybe I'm not as persistent, but I'd say into my mindset, one thing that I've constantly ingrained is consistency will eventually pay off. Okay. How do I know this? Um, I dealt a lot with one thing me personally was like, I was fat when I was little, like as a little kid. Mm -hmm. And that was something like I was, I'm, I'll be honest, y'all. Some of you guys have seen pictures. Some of you guys even know me from when I was fat. My wife says she doesn't remember when I was fat. And I'm like, thank, <laughs> thank God that uh, he hid her from, from that. But uh, I was big. I was real big. And so it was very hard for me to, you know, kind of find confidence or be confident in myself. I dealt with a lot of insecurity. And I'm not saying I'm perfect now. I still deal with insecurity. Um, but one thing I learned... Um, I went to boarding school in high school. Shout out Eastside College Prep. Um, and I'll be honest, at the beginning, I hated it. Mainly because they'd wake us up at 6 a.m. to work out every single morning during summer bridge. And this is coming from a kid who had never worked out consistently at all up to that point in his life. I was 13 years old. I had never consistently, like, uh, let's say, done strength and conditioning, done cardio or, like, running, like, It was just not me for me. I was a little, I was a kid who liked to read books, play video games, hang out with my little brother and do dumb stuff at home. Like I was not a go out, ride my bike type of guy, kid or whatever. I didn't even learn how to ride a skateboard until I was like 20 years old. But point is I was big. And so 
when I started um, going to Eastside and they started, you know, this concept, this is something I learned very, very early on there. And this was one of my um, one of my biggest mentors, I'd say, throughout that period. His name is Darren Chan. He was um, a residential faculty there, the head. And he would wake up with us every morning to work out along with uh, one of the other uh Gentleman there, his name is Jake Shoemaker. Jake and Darren. Oh, Jake, I remember. You know Jake. Jake. Oh, yes. Jake is crazy. He's a cross country yes. athlete, so that's his lifestyle. Yes. Consistency. Every single day, I'm gonna run. You, you told me that he plays soccer. No, that's oh. Josh. Oh, Josh. Yeah, okay. that's Josh. Okay. Oh, Jake. oh okay. I remember. Yeah. The Jake. Yes. They're both white guys. Yes. We yes, got yes. Jake and Josh. It's yeah, not Jake Drake and Josh. And Josh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Jake and Josh. Yes. But, uh, Jake. Jake Shoemaker. And Darren Chan, mm. these two individuals, uh, to go back to what I was saying, during that time when they would come into our room and literally wake up the entire freshman class, it was only freshmen. They they were only doing it with the freshmen, no one else. We were all in a hallway, and it would be like 5.55 a.m., and you'd just literally get a fat knock on your door, just literally just... And then the door opens, and these were these really loud handles like... Like almost like a gunshot, and then all of a sudden, bam, these bright white lights. You've been in our dorms. Yes, you yeah. know how bright those yeah, lights oh, yeah. were. So just imagine me, like a 13-year-old kid. I, You know, my dad can attest to this. I was a big sleeper. I yeah. love oh, sleeping. Yeah. You, so, would, you would sleep until 2 o'clock? I'd sleep until 2 o'clock, no problem, swear. So like I was a hibernating type individual. <laughs> I was a, a, a big bear just stuffing up food for the winter. And I remember the first day. I was just sleeping there. And then all of a sudden, they tell us, wake up. We're about to go run. I was like, huh? Run? It's 6 a.m. right now. <laughs> We're about to go run. And Jake Shoemaker, he was like, yep. And he was lacing up his shoes, getting ready. And literally, you just see a bunch of people just walk out of their rooms like all groggy and walk our butts outside into the cold, 6 a.m., East Palo Alto, California. And we'd start running. The first week was running. Second week was we started lifting weights. By the third week, we had a full like CrossFit type. Right, like they whipped us into shape in like a month. And honestly, it was crazy to see how my body reacted, how mm. my body responded to that. And I learned there something from Darren, from Jake, because I, I looked up to these guys. I was like, Darren, he's big, he's strong, he's yeah. fit, he looks cool. Jake, same, yeah. big, strong, lean. I was like, I want to look like these guys because I was dealing with a lot of you – know, and I learned one thing. It's consistency is what's going to get you where you want to go. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to lose – a hundred pounds overnight. You're not gonna lose your man boobs. Like I'm over here being vulnerable. I'm like, they're not gonna get your love handles. Aren't gonna go away overnight. If you want that to happen, you need to be consistent and you need to put in the work. And that concept, while might seem small, I applied it to basically everything that I learned because I was like, I see the results physically like i would see myself losing weight i'd see myself getting leaner i'd see my clothes fitting better i'd be like i like this and so i learned that consistency is key but not only just that like that's a cringy phrase but i saw the actual benefits of it so i think that's why um even in things like business or you know when i apply myself in entrepreneurial context i always go back to that consistency pays off so that's, that's kind of just, I'd say, I don't know if I'm the most responsible person, but one thing I could say is I'm consistent. Yeah. Also, what I have learned from, from working uh, in, in this project is that um, you really 
push me out of my comfort zone. Mm. And I mentioned, I think, the uh, last podcast with, uh, we were recording, especially because English is not my first language. And uh, I kind of like deal with that. And you always kind of say, you know, do it. You got to do it. You just do it, do it, do it. And that's kind of, I have learned, you know, to see those challenges that I can overcome. And these 20 episodes, it, for me, is big, a, a big challenge. But also, I have accomplished a lot. Mm. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. That it's not been easy, but if I see myself 20 episodes back, what I'm now, yeah. what I'm right now, and what is coming, you know, I, I can say, you know, thank you, Samuel. Yeah. I will say thank you, Samuel, for pushing me to getting me out of the comfort zone and do one of the things I like, I love. Fire. That's what I have learned. I'd, I'd say you got to thank Nike for that one. Hashtag just do it, baby. That's that's the mindset. <laughs> uh, I've, I love Nike. So all of their athletes. Now, what would you have learned from me? Exactly. Now we're switching the, the dice around. I'd say one thing that I've learned about you is the following, which is that you are entering into probably one of the most impactful seasons of your life as far as, I think, impact, I think, influence, and I even think personal development. I think that I'm witnessing you kind of like redefine yourself, and I mm. think that that's been really cool to watch over the course of 20 episodes because I've grown up learning and being mentored by you my entire life. I'm 21 years old. There's never been a single day in my life where you have not been there. True or false, right? Whether good or whether bad. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the point here. The point is I've been able, if there's anyone who knows you besides my mom, it's probably us, me, Nathan, Fernando, the people who have lived with you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so I've been able to say confidently, that your mindset, the way you're thinking, the thoughts, the what you're bringing to the table is one of the most high quality that you've brought and I'd say probably the past 10 years. Um, I got to witness, like I mentioned to you before when we first started this entire endeavor, um, like what it's like to see this concept of being in shape versus out of shape, but how that applies to, in this case, what we what we talk about a lot on this podcast is the nature of the Bible, the nature of theology, the nature of, in general, I guess, we don't like to make it mystical yeah. or anything, but, you know, being spiritual, what, is it, what does that mean? And so I think you've been able to show how you can constantly redefine yourself. And I think that that's something that is helping me in my walk as a young individual that hey, at any age, you can still be a student mm, okay. and that you can never lose that. That that curiosity, that desire is the same as it was when you were younger. It can continue when you're at your age. I think that that's something that I'm, I'm learning about you and I'm also learning from you because I think that's kind of like the nature of the question is one thing you have learned about each other. But I think that just the nature of, like how you were mentioning, I like to... Um, I guess push you you're saying but i think I, one thing about my characters i just like to challenge things yeah that, that's all it is like if i see something and i and i and i see that it has a flaw or that it has i don't know quote unquote an imperfection um i have ocd and so like or not i have ocd but like i have o uh, obsessive tendencies and so certain things i'm just like i want to challenge that or i want to state my opinion and i guess i've worked on developing to come across in a more positive way perhaps before it was like oh you're just pointing We're out too the flaws. rough yeah so i think that like in that i'm learning 
one very specific thing from you, which is that you're a student of life. Like mm. that's kind of your approach to yes. everything. Like you will reflect, you'll something will happen and you'll assess and then you'll move forward from that. Like you're good at tweaking and making adjustments. So I think that that's extremely valuable and it, it shows in what your career and what you've been able to um, accomplish as in the world of ministry, you know, not being able to serve for 25 years without experiencing what a lot of people call burnout, you know, this concept that is so common these days, but yet I'm standing in front of someone who I've never seen them complain about going to church. Yeah, there's days where you're tired. On the days that you're tired, you take a nap. Simple. But I've never seen you be like, nah, I'm not going to pick up the, you know, how Jesus says, pick up my cross and follow me. That's kind of been an example that you've always set. So that's fire to see that even in a context like this, you invest and your desire to grow is there. So that's one thing I've, I've learned that I've always seen. I've never really been able to see that firsthand, but now I, I'd say I have. So pretty cool. It's good. Pretty cool. That, that was a nice question. It was a tough question. It was a hard one. Shout out. You know, you know who you are. I hope you are enjoying this one. We're not gonna. We're leaving it anonymous. Anonymous for the case of. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if you guys want it anonymous or not. Maybe you don't care if we expose your questions. So let us know. We're trying to be respectful. But shout out, shout out, my boy who who asked that one. But we're gonna move along. You got any? I got a couple questions. One more here that I kind of just wanted to touch on, and then I'll shift it over to what you got because I know you you also sent out some questions, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I don't know if you're going to ask the uh, what what we're reading. Yeah, let, let's dive into that. That was actually the next question I was going to okay. ask is uh, someone is interested in knowing what books are we currently reading? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know, you know, um, I'm currently, what's it called? What was I going to say? Sorry, you could you could go ahead and start. Go ahead. Well, uh, I'm going to share the, the, the book I'm reading right now. Um, it's it called Tiny Habits mm -hmm. by B.J. Falk. Okay. That's the one uh, I'm reading right Tiny now. Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg? Yes. Because What's that about? It's about uh, building pretty much um, good habits. Uh, one thing I have li uh, hi highlighted is uh, that sometimes it is, it is it's a big gap between what you want or what you do. Mm. Because sometimes we always, I want this, I want this, I want this. But sometimes we don't move from one to do things. Right. And that's one of the things for me is like, I want a lot of things, but sometimes I don't do things for those things that I want. So for me, it's building a habit, especially to organize my, even from the beginning, one yeah. of the things you, you uh, we already have talked about it and say, you know, you are a very structural, you know, from the beginning to the end of the day, you say, you know, at this hour I do this and this hour yeah. I do this. And you told me what they call having a schedule. Yes. <laughs> and then even say, I have a phone, I have this. And I was kind of, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. And I, I start applying that, learning those small, small well, habits. Well, what I call like practical tips to keep you like, I need it to mm -hmm. keep me like scheduled. If not, like my day is just messy. It, it, yeah. it goes, um, let's say not efficient. True. So for me, I'm in this, um, um, you know, season of my life. Yeah, we're talking about books that you're reading yes. in this case. So that's kind of like for me is I'm learning this. Cool. Kind of like building a small habit that it will take me to do things for things that I want. Mm. That's fire. That's fire. I mean, for me on my end, what books are, are we currently reading? 
obviously, of course, we're reading the Bible. Come on, y'all. That's first. That doesn't even <laughs> count to be on the list because, as we talked about last week, that and actually, this is a good topic that we're talking about the books because we got a bunch of things coming for this season three. Man, we're so excited to bring just a whole new level of dynamics. Just bring a whole new level of energy and a fresh outlook on it. And that being said, the season that we're about to start off, season three, is going to be a it's a whole series that we're going to dive into. Um, we're kind of debating with the name, so we're not going to, I'm not going to launch yet, it no. officially yet, but it's diving into how the, what the Bible means as a companion to us in our mm. life. And so basically like oh, yeah. um, part of how the books that we're reading for me, the Bible, I'm not going to put that on the list, even though I'm sure both of us read that every day yeah. has nothing to do with this. When we're talking about books, we're talking about specifically like you're talking about this book, Tiny Habits by BJ Goff. Um, so we're talking about things that are like just helping us besides that. So, you know, don't be like, oh, they don't read the Bible. Oh, trust me. You know, like we're, we're getting sharp in that. But that being said, um, in addition to season three, coming up with some exciting new changes, I've really been diving into the following book that a lot of you guys might may or may not be familiar with. It's called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John C. Maxwell, which is a pillar, pillar, pillar a foundational, um, it's really been honestly blowing my mind and opening me to see these concepts of leadership that we've been diving into in season two. Um, and I've just kind of been reading it in addition to everything that we've been studying and talking about. So it's been really kind of giving me a unique lens and a unique perspective on seeing leadership from a much broader mm -hmm. perspective than oftentimes just limiting our mindset to what does it mean to be a good Christian leader? What does it mean to be a good ministry leader? No, this book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John C. Maxwell, does a great job of not only bringing that quote-unquote spiritual outlook on it. The book is not spiritual at all, in my opinion. I think it's extremely pragmatic and extremely practical on how there are these 21 laws that we can apply to our lives that we can apply to make our leadership extremely more effective. And that book has been truly, truly blessing my life. And I'm excited because I know that we're, um, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but we're excited to launch potentially a couple more avenues of content that are going to be coming soon to the podcast. And this book is going to be a recurring theme coming up very soon so that's what i've been reading just in preparation for that if you guys want to grab yourself a copy we got some stuff coming down the pipeline i would just say it's a it's a good investment i think it's less than 20 bucks but honestly the value like even if each of those laws let's say it's less than 20 bucks each law costs a dollar oh. oh man <laughs> the wisdom in each of those laws is worth more than a dollar in my opinion i think i think you've I'm, read it before right yeah, oh yeah. yes I, yeah i have read it i think um Amazon, they have it for 17. 17 like, bucks. 17 bucks. Like this day, you can read it on your iPad or your yeah, phone. Yeah, I'm reading it on my iPad. Yeah, I have uh, um, the Kindle uh, cool. application, so it's like 17 bucks. And, um, but the value. Oh, oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. So no, that, that's one no, of the books I'm reading. No. But in addition to that, I'm also reading a couple different books that um, one of them I actually got gifted by my co-host here. It's called Theology Simplified by Bob Yandian. It's a mm -hmm. it's a very thin book. It's I think about maybe 115 pages, if I'm not mistaken. It's a very small little book with good size letters. But honestly, 
Um, it's diving into some of the more complex themes of the Bible, specifically the themes of theology, things and concepts such as salvation, redemption, um, propitiation, expiation, just these really heavy uh, theological concepts, but as the title suggests, theology simplified. So basically, you know, there's a bunch of different concepts that are in this book, things like I was already mentioning, propitiation, redemption, justification, things like predestination, which is such a like, in my opinion, that's a super interesting concept. But if you guys are interested in maybe diving into a little bit more theological type content, I'd really, really recommend that book kind of as a, um, like a, what they call in Espanol el punto de lanza, like a, the starting point on your journey for getting into theology. For me, it's been really helping me give me language that's simple so that when I have conversations with people and they ask me questions um, like about theology, I can have uh, not like ammunition, but I have the language now to... Like a clear understanding exactly. of each uh, word it means. It's fire. Because it's, it's, really it's a very book. fundamental truth. True. And uh, if you want to really understand the Bible, the concept, because we've been talking about the plan of God for humanity. Correct. Remember? Which is the concept of predestination. Yes. Yeah. So so, so when you really understand that in a different way, how the Bible applies it, it's, it's so good. It's, it's wild. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I'd really recommend just any of you guys, if you're interested in, you know, those sorts of things. But in addition to that, I'm also reading for all my worship community out there, mm. this book called, um, I actually am, I haven't started it yet. I, I'm about to start reading it. Barely got it this week. Um, one of our, my worship leaders who I, I call him now my mentor. I told him this in person. <laughs> I'm trying to get more mentors in my life. How we learned at our conference. We're trying to trick people into mentoring us. I'm kind of trying to, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast, by the way. I'm not going to say his name, but yes, um, it's a book by Zach Neese. It's called How to Worship the King. Mm. And it's a book all about diving into the depths of what it means to be a worshiper, what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. And honestly, I'm super, super excited to dive into it because he mentioned that it's been one of the most foundational pieces of literature, like for his perspective on worship. So I'm excited to, to dive into that and add it to my own. He gifted it to me along with a study guide that I'm going to be pairing oh, okay. with the book. So it's kind of like a dual approach to is really... It, is it like a hard copy or you have it's a... It's a digital? hard copy. Okay. I have hard copy of the book and the study guide. Okay. So I'm a little bit old school in that sense. <laughs> I know I just recently bought an iPad, but like I said, the iPad is more of like a work tool, kind of like I'm using that as a study guide for all the books that I'm reading. I'm taking notes on Theology Simplified by Bob Yandian. I'm breaking down 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm, I like to keep my interest in books diverse. I, I'll be honest, I've been a book reader forever. <laughs> like, it's kind of just, I don't know. You will, you will, I remember uh, those summers, you will devour those. Yeah, I, I read like, pretty fast. Big, big uh, uh, books. Percy Jackson books. We used to go to the library. Yeah. I remember. You, you used to ask me, say, Dad, can we go to the library? For what? I'm going to want to get a uh, couple books. Yeah. And yeah, I remember we'll get like a couple books and sit down on the sofa with the hot weather and we'll sit down like other people yeah. were playing outside. Even Fernando was playing outside. Nathan oh, yeah. was playing and you were sitting in the sofa reading, 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 and reading. I think, I don't know. For me, <laughs> books are, um, 
They've been my friends. They've been my companions. You know what? I, I, I was kind of hesitating to ask you, but uh, you mentioned the other day and, and grabbed my attention because you said, you know, I ha I read the Bible. I, you know, I consider the Bible. I see the Bible as my companion. Yeah. And being as a young man, this day you don't see young men kind of like saying that mm. and having that really conviction. I, I mean, how 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 can you have that relationship with, with the Bible as a companion? Yeah. I mean, the word companion is very common, let's That's say. That's true. You know, yeah. or dog, um, I mean, Theo is my companion. Luna if I is says, my but, companion. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like referring the Bible after the companion, it's more like a personal thing. Can you can you probably sure. open yeah. that? I, I would like, because when you mentioned, grab my attention. I think, you know, how you're saying that word companion, right? I'm intentional in the in the use of it because a companion for me is like we mentioned our dogs, our friends, someone that is accompanying you, mm -hmm. uh, joining alongside you in life. And I I think that with the Bible what really helped me very early on to kind of shift my mindset around this was the culture in which I grew up. I got to see something very interesting that I, if you guys grew up Pentecostal or grew up, you know, whatever it might be, Baptist. You guys might have seen this too. It's um, the way in which we treat the Bible in those contexts is almost like if it's this. It is. Don't get me wrong. I. It's an interesting. It's kind of like a paradox. We treat it like this in this holy scripture, this sacred, you know, this text that we we like respect it. Like, and I grew up saying, "Don't put the Bible on the floor." I grew up saying, "Hey, your Bible, you you don't leave it there." pay attention to it, take care of it. Like you treat it nice, you treat it with respect. I grew up getting that often piped into my brain. Um, so like, you know, if I'd ever see someone kick the Bible or do something like, I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's the, it's a sin. It's a sin. Um, but I would say that what really helped me specifically is I had certain leaders in my life who they often referred to the Bible as a sword. Okay. And it, I really liked always hearing that when when i would hear many many got many um of the mentors who like the teaching pastors at our church like the people who would share on wednesdays on fridays not necessarily like just from a sunday because on a sunday the messages are often different but whenever we take time to study and like there would be times where we'd go into series diving into the bible and so we'd there would be this language used to describe it as a sword and i really really that often got impregnated into my brain at a very early age that the Bible is a sword. And so the way I thought about it was, okay, if, I if I'm given a sword, the purpose of the sword is to be used. The purpose of the sword is to defend myself if I'm being attacked or to launch an attack. It's offense or defense. In other words, the sword is meant to be used. It's not meant to just be left there on a table and protected. Or it's not, you know, if you have a sword, unless it's a decorative sword, you hang it on your wall. But if it's a sword meant to be used in battle, you sharpen it, you clean it. And at the end of the day, you get it dirty, you use it. it, it it's, in other words, it's a tool to serve a purpose. And I really grabbed onto that principle in my as an early, early, as a little kid. And for me, the Bible, I, I love the Bible and I respect it and I treat it with utmost reverence. But at the same time, I understand that its purpose is practical. It's okay. meant to be used. It's meant to be applied. And so 
for me, the the habit of the of reading the Bible, you you know, you were mentioning yes. tiny habits. Mm -hmm. For me, I saw it almost as a necessity. Okay. Because the same way that I'm sitting here and I'm using my computer to record this podcast, I had to spend time getting to know the software. I had to spend yeah. time getting to know how to use the trackpad, how to type, how to do certain things. You have to spend time learning your tools. It was the same way with the Bible. I felt this desire to be like, you know what? If it's a sword, then I should be good at using my sword. I should be skilled with it. I should know how to use it. As a little kid, I remember being obsessed with how people were like, Let's say the pastors would say a scripture like Segunda de Samuel 17.4 and how people would flick to it and yeah. be so fast. Like I got obsessed with just using the Bible. And for me, it was really funny when I'd see people treat the Bible like there's some people who would buy a Bible and probably never open it and, you know, treat it like because the papers are so nice and the pages. But I grew up in my context. I'd see pastors, my pastors, um, great, great, great men of God grab it and it was all marked up and it was highlighted and annotated and I liked that. I always liked the way that they'd say, you could tell that you're you use your Bible if it's, you know, if it has some wear and tear to it. That, <laughs> those are the Bibles I like. Yeah, the ones. Yeah. And so for me, like I really just kind of grabbed onto that, that if it's a tool that it's meant to be used, then I'm going to use it every day and I'm going to get equipped, well equipped with it, know how to use it. And I love the fact that technology has made it so readily available to me. Like, I'll be honest, I don't carry around a Bible everywhere I go. You know, like as a, as a, again, growing up Pentecostal, they'd be like, you got to carry your Bible with you. If you, you don't carry your sword, you got to carry your sword. If not, you're defenseless. Yeah. I like that. I'm like, Hey, I always got my iPhone on me. I got my sword in my pocket. I'll open up the Bible app. Some people are like, it's a double, you know, a double-edged yeah. sword in this case. They're like, oh. That's what it is, the double-edged sword. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Bible joke there. But, you know, like for me, I love having it on my iPhone okay. because if some thought pops into my head, like, you know, I'll be listening to some hip-hop or some rap or just whatever it might be. I'll be listening to a podcast or hurt. And oftentimes scripture, you'd be surprised how how much of a pivotal role it plays in our society. Like a lot of small little quotes that people use, they don't even realize it's from the scripture. And so like, I'll be sitting there and I'll be listening to like, I don't know, I was talking about Action Bronson. I just, you know, got to go witness some of my favorite rappers recently from Griselda Records, West Side Gun, Conway the Machine, J. Cole, a lot of hip hop and culture and influence that I like to, for me, you might be like, oh, this is so controversial. This guy listens to that type of music. I don't listen to it from a sense of I'm giving it my devotion. I listen to it from the sense of I'm an engineer. I love to listen to music. I love to study the craft. And I think it's cool because when I apply that mindset to it, I'll be listening and I'll be like, hey, I just heard J. Cole reference Matthew 6, 37. And I'll go mm -hmm. and be like, hey, what does Matthew 6, 37 say? And it'll lead me like just that relationship that i've developed with the bible of kind of taking the taking the mantle of it being just this thing that oh it's yeah. only open it in church no it's that's why i call it my companion because the same way that i spend time every single day with my dog and i love spending time with my dog and it's fun to me it's the same way with the bible i don't i don't i've removed any sort of like oh it's the bible i gotta sit there and read it um i love it I just enjoy it. Oh, it's good because it goes with the question, what what books what are books we reading? We read? and, yeah. you just, and you just said the Bible, but I guess it's, it's more than just a book. It's your companion. It's a, a relationship that you have developed. 
And we encourage everybody that really um, not just see it an historical book, but something that, as you said, as you mentioned, everywhere you go, yeah, you take your companion. Exactly. Very good. Very good. And you know, one of the things that also, um, when we were kind of preparing for this Q&A. Yeah, what kind of questions did you get on somebody, your end? Yeah, I got somebody that asked uh, this question. He said, how can you tell that you are called to be a leader? Mm. Because sometimes it's like, yeah. you know, when we see a leader, probably, you know, you, you see a different thing. What do you think about it? They brought, I mean, a, they brought uh, a bomb. Can, I mean, you, can you state that question again? I, I need to hear it one more time. How can you tell if you are called to be a leader? Wow. That's, that's somebody. I guess this person has been listening to season two of well, Into the Waves podcast Well, remember, we, we, yeah. throw it, we, we throw it in the uh, social media. Yeah, you, asking, you put it up. So, you know. It's part of our listeners. It's on your mind. You guys are talking about how do I know I'm called to be a leader? That's a great question, first of all. Thank you for asking that. Um I think we gotta we gotta kind of simplify it. We've we've been seeing a lot of the stories that we've been talking uh -huh. about. We've been seeing, you know, Joseph. We just finished wrapping up a series on Moses. We were talking about Daniel. We were talking about these individuals who clearly were called, mm -hmm. right? Um, in the case of Moses, the crazy encounter Ooh. where he was called yeah. from the middle of a bush. And he literally, God was saying, Moses, like he had a physical calling yeah. where he said, God said his name, you know, like, holy snap, how would I feel if God was saying Samuel, Samuel, which is in the Bible, but it didn't happen to me. It happened to another Samuel. But, you know, like you think about it, is that what it means to be called? Or you look at Joseph, there was no audible voice of God, but there was a crazy dream mm -hmm. yeah. that he would be exalted above mm. the moon and the stars. So okay. he felt called, yeah. right? You know, in his concept, we look at Daniel. He was born into a conflict, a time where the Babylonian Empire conquered his land and he was forced to immigrate into a foreign environment. How did he know he was called? He felt the favor of God on him every single day. So like, I think for us to really answer that question we need to kind of define what it means what the word called means what is even calling right and i think that let's let you we don't need to make this so complicated i think that the nature of a call or what does it mean to be called what is calling for there to be a call there must be an answer there must be a response and, and so when i how mm. do i know how do i know i'm called to be a leader well it's very simple the re the reality is that in our lives as individuals, there are certain things within us that you just feel like you're meant to do it. I don't know if you you can relate with what I'm saying here, but kind of stick with me where, you, you know, you might be, for example, a coder. And when you started learning Python and when you started learning HTML and when you started learning C++, things just clicked. There was just this natural inclination or maybe you're an athlete. And ever since you were a little kid, you just felt strong. You felt like you could be the fastest on the schoolyard. You felt like when you were in the gym, like your body mechanics, just you feel like you're the best soccer player in the world. You meant like almost your call to be. What I'm saying here is that in life, we often find things that we are drawn to. In the same way that Moses was drawn to the bush, in the same way that Joseph was shown a dream about what his heart desired, the same way that Daniel was placed in a position where, again, it related to one thing and one thing alone, is that was their heart. Because 
in the heart is truly what leads us. And in my opinion, and I think a lot of people wrestle with this in life, it's they ask themselves, what is my purpose mm -hmm. in life? That's a very common. It's a, uh, it's a common, yes. common question these days. And I think that what what is my purpose in life? That is what is known as your calling. That is what is known as, mm. you could call it your purpose. Um, in modern strike circles, one of my friends, Kyle, he explained it to me that there's this concept in Japanese culture known as the Ikiyagi, I believe, which is known as like your one thing, um, the ik Ikigai or Ikigai, the Japanese secret, which is basically relating to this feeling or this desire of having one thing in your life that you are drawn to, that you're meant to do. And so I think that that is bear with me here that's the first half of what it means to be called the second half is once you've identified oh snap i'm drawn to this hey i love i love art hey i love music hey i love you know working with people hey i love babies whatever it may be once you've identified what is drawing your heart it's about responding to that call i think i think that's that's very important what you just said because We all have a call. Everyone. Everyone. There's So like this concept of how do I know I'm called to be a leader? That that question already is a, is kind of like a tricky question because yeah. everyone yes. has a calling. Yes. So that's the first thing we want to say to everyone. But again, it's about defining the calling. But continue what you were going to say about this aspect of once there's a call, you answer. It's kind of yeah. like a double yes. that goes hand in hand. I, 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 th I think the way you, you're putting this is so very, I like it because we are called. As a matter of fact, we've been, we've been talking about Genesis chapter one, you know, when God created man. The concept uh, of what the purpose of humanity yes. is, right? But even, even the Bible said ma many are called, okay. but few are chosen. So it's up to you how you respond to your calling, how you respond What is your the purpose? response? Yes, yes. So it's, wow, that's, 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 a, that's a very, very clear way. And to specifically answer your question about, you know, for, for the or person, our listener asking, how do I know I'm called? How do I know when I'm called to be specifically a leader? That mm -hmm. That's then now to, to emphasize and bring the zoom in a little bit. We've defined what it means to be called. To call, yeah. But now it's specifically for leadership. Yes, There's one essential caveat, which we were kind of outlining in the life of Moses. If you guys remember, we, in our opinion, what we've defined as these pillars mm -hmm. to leadership. And mm. again, we talked about what you need to be drawn to. In this case, in my opinion, you can just, you can share yours in a second. To be called to be a leader, ultimately, you really need to ask yourself the following question. And that's, do I feel like I'm called to help people? Do I feel like I'm called to have an impact on people? Do I feel like I'm called to be an influence to people? Do Am I drawn to being an influence to people? What do you think? That's one of the things because when we're talking about leadership, sometimes we think about uh, position. You know, uh, mm. my I have a, a title. position. A title, yes. But You're not drawn to the title. No. That's not a true mark of a leader. No, no. A true mark of a leader, like you just said, is about influence. It's about people, if we can say that. I, I, I have in my note one of the uh, um, 
Os Oswald uh, Sanders uh, wrote in his book, Spiritual Leadership, he put it this way. He, he, he gave the best definition. He says, leadership is influence. Wow. So if you are able to influence with what you have. If you feel called yes, to influence. Yes. Then that's like, kind of the. Yeah. So yeah. now you're answering. Mm. You're answering your call. Right. Because it, it was within, remember Moses, when we were talking about Moses, he had that, that, that he wanted to help. Even, he, the, you know, the, the exactly. two Jews. His it, heart, as yes. we're talking about here, how do you know you're called? Yes. Because everyone, like we're, we're, we were defining, if you're being tugged, it's like a magnet. If there's this, if you feel a pull to have influence over people, hey, I'm sorry, but you're most likely yeah. called to be a leader. You are, yeah. you are pretty yeah. much. That's kind of like sometimes we, it's not about a position. No. It's, it's about, about the people. It's about the people. That's the way I define myself. Influence, yeah. When you call, when you say leader, it, it, it has to go influence people. And that's very typical in the days we're living. We're, we're, they're talking about influencers. Exactly. That That's so common. Everyone is striving to get the little blue check mark next to their name because they want to be verified. But verified for what? Verified for having influence over people, you know? And I want to make it clear because leaders are not born. Leaders develop. Mm. You don't born. Anybody, in other words, can become a leader is what you're yes. saying. Yes. It just depends on where you're drawn. Yes, wow. it develops. Let, let, let's put it in a simple in a sure. simple way. Let's, let's, a mom. Sure. Okay. A mom is a true leader. If anything you can think about a leader... As a mom. Why? Because once she's a mom, she's start teaching. Even from the moment that she has another life in her womb. Yes. There's a desire to influence that child. You see? Yeah. So it, it, leadership. It, it, so God designed us to be leader. Hmm. That's the way I see it. That's in the other way words, everyone is called to yes. lead. So in other words, to answer the question of how do I know I'm called to be a leader good answer for you everyone is called to be a leader the hard part is not saying if i'm called to be it's where how what's why what that that's this this question of what is my purpose in life of course that's where that stems from everyone feels that draw to something but it's about targeting that one thing and making that your sole purpose. And in this case, you know, for us, we've been called to lead in ministry. That That's our specific context that we work in. Luckily, we have the opportunity to be in vocational yes, ministry. We, but you might be called to lead at your company. If yes. you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you're a leader. If if you are the, the leader of a tech startup, you're a leader. You're drawn to influence. If you are, maybe you're a personal fitness coach and your desire is to help your clients be fitter. You're leading your clients to a healthier lifestyle. In other words, you can see that it's more of an innate thing. You rise to the challenge. Everyone is called. So it, so we already have yeah. a leadership in the inside of us. The, the big question is how we can move on. And sometimes that's kind of like, you know, um, Jesus said it, you know, you are the soul of the earth. You are the light of the world. Yeah. So Jesus was one of the greatest influencers in his time. Exactly. So, he didn't need social media and yet look at the impact. We talk about him. We've been talking about him for 20 episodes. Yeah. People talk about him all around the world. Yeah. 
that's powerful right there. Yeah. And yeah. I guess that's what that's one of the things that, you know, we have the passion to do this podcast. Why? Because we want to share. We want it for the people. You know, we were talking about early about food, you know, yeah. recommending food. What is a good food? So let's say you're a mom. Maybe, you know, you're a coach. Uh, you are, uh, you know, having a, a, a team. You are a leader. Facts. Everyone is called and everyone has a purpose. It's just about discovering that purpose, which, again, it's easier said than done, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be real. It's hard to find your purpose in life. We're not saying that it's easy. Um, we're just answering the question, what does it mean to be called <laughs> to be a leader? But I had another question, actually, you know, funny that on this topic of leadership, I had someone ask, uh, it's a little bit of a vague question, but I think it has value. And it, it's this, it's how do you know if you're being a good leader? And specifically, what are the characteristics of a good leader? I love I love this this question that this person asked. Thank you for asking that because perhaps you're maybe in a different stage in your life than the question that we asked previously. Maybe you already feel called, mm. but now you're asking, am I doing a good job? Oh, wow. What, what I know, you could speak into this because you're one of the, you've had so much experience with this, working with leaders, being a leader yourself. So what do you think? Well, uh it's not it's not an easy question, but um, it, it has to do more the way you carry yourself, because at the end of the day, I cannot say I'm a good leader. Mm. People, so you yourself, wow. I, I I cannot title myself I'm a good good leader. I'm the best. I'm mm. no. It's how people talks about you. So even to this person asking this question, we might tell them. Easy there. Yes. Okay. Yes. Why? I, you know, we can highlight some characteristics sure. because like what, what, what are some, cause they ask, what are the characteristics of a good leader? One of the, say? one of the things that we in your can, opinion, of yeah, course, yeah. It, it, one of the things, well, I, I, one of the characteristics of a good leader is that leader always is focused. It needs to be focused. Why? Because you're guiding people. Mm. Sometimes if you are out of focus, or you're distracted, guess mm. what's going to happen? The people that is behind you, they're going to get distracted. They, they're not going to reach. So a leader, a good characteristic of a leader is to be focused. In other words, they need to have that sense of what they're being called to extremely clear. Yeah. Like we'll, connecting it to that last question, right? Yeah. That's awesome. An another characteristic I would say, and this is very strong characteristic, okay. is to be teachable. Hmm. To be teachable. Because humility? Could we say? We can, we can say humility. Okay. Let, let's, Talk on that. What do okay. you mean by being teachable? Okay. Let, let, uh, because I'm going to bring the, 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 the one of the questions that said, what have you learned to About each, other? each other? You see? So I'm an old man. Let's mm -hmm. say I'm 52. You are 20. Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying okay. here. So if I'm in a stage that I'm saying that I have learned this, that you're wow. really pushing me, that characteristic in my life is to be a good leader. I think a good word to add on to that is as a leader, you must be introspective, meaning you must take assessment of yourself. You need to be extremely what we call self-aware about your own growth as a, like you got to be more in tune with yourself. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to be in tune with the people you're leading. That's powerful because 
I, I mean, that speaks to the person who asked us that question. They're seeing things from a very unique perspective. They're trying to develop their leadership by asking, what did you guys learn about each other? That's powerful. Yes. Being teachable. Yeah, now, let's put it, being teachable also leads you to respect the other people. I have to... A clear I, sense of respect. Yes, because if I'm not able to respect you, do you think I'll be able to learn from you? Probably not. And that's one of the good characteristics of a leader. See, let's say, let's break it down. You are my son, I'm your dad. I cannot have that position of a dad doing this. Right. My position is that we are, I'm your co-host, I'm mm. your partner, that... Whatever, when we record, whatever wow. we bring this topic, I, I have to respect your opinion. I have to respect you as somebody that has the heart, has the passion of doing this, that you have something that you can contribute of what we're doing. So now my mind is what? A chief to be a teachable. I'm learning things. I've seen the different perspective. So this is crucial because if you don't respect people, they're not going to respect you. Mm. So you want, sometimes as a leader, we want the position. You have to respect me. I'm the boss. You can be a boss, but you cannot be a leader. Right. Like how we were saying, your calling is not to the position. Your calling is to the people. It's what they say, the cause. What they say. When you talk about pushing P, this is for all my young people out there. You, you got to be pushing the right P. That's awesome though. I, I, I like how you're framing that. And I think uh, if I could add on another point there, it's what you're saying, I think we need to be able, uh, the mark of a good leader is being able to identify the passion. You were talking about yes. respect. I think along with respect is being able to really identify and relate with people. A, a good leader can put themselves in the mindset of any other individual and say, I wonder what their shoes feel like. Let me walk a mile in their shoes. I think that a good leader can, like, I don't know how, how I would phrase this, but I would say they can allow their mindset to shift to adapt anyone else's mindset. In other words, not that they're uncertain in themselves. No, they have a very clear identity of themselves, but they are also extremely aware of the, of the fact that there are multiple identities that there's so many types of yes. personalities. I think that that's the mark of a good leader. What might be a characteristic is they need to have an internal awareness and kind of like an internal compass to be able to like, oh, this person is this way. Oh, this person is this way. How can I think the way that they think? How can I allow myself to not think how I'm thinking and potentially allow for a creative solution? We, we can also mention that a good leader is able to lower down himself or herself to the position, to the level of the apprentices. of For what? The leader will be able to see the weakness because my role is not to say, oh, you're so weak. Oh, you don't know how to do it. No, my role as a leader, to be a good leader, I need to be able in the middle of the weakness to raise you up. Right. Because if I'm not able because to raise you up, you see, yeah. if I'm not able to raise you up, even that maybe you're doing things wrong, I have to have the respect, to see far beyond your weakness. I need to see your, see potential. your potential. Yes, yeah. I have to see your potential. I have to see as the finished work. You need to be able to, like I'm saying, identify those passions yes. and 
lead people to pursue those passions. Yes. You know, it's kind of like this triple P approach. Passion, which then leads to pursuit, which then ultimately you discover your purpose. It's a pipeline. That's it. it. It's a it's it's an approach. That's awesome. Cause and here's a here's I think this is a good question to close on. And you were telling this to me off podcast. I, I want you to go ahead and ask that one because I felt like, hey man, your audience has some sharp questions. Uh, you you guys are pretty smart out there. My guys were talking about like not no offense to my people. I love all you guys, but we were talking about tacos and we're talking about books. But I like that question that you were sharing with me off podcast. You want to bring that one up? Well, sometimes you know. In the leadership, sometimes we have the wrong, the wrong way of seeing leadership. But what was the question that that they asked that that you specifically told me? You asked, the question that you said that the person asked why was, does a leader need a leader? Oh, that's a good one. That that's that very strong you, one. You why, were saying why? Yeah, because sometimes we can get into the point that you know everything, and that's is 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 very contradictory of somebody that is teachable and humble. Because if you have a position, I know everything, nobody can teach me anything, you're goes, not a leader. It goes back to that question then of a characteristic. And I guess to answer this question, does a leader need yes. a leader? The answer goes back to what we were talking about. The characteristics of a good leader is the fact that they're self-aware and they can identify and be like, hold up, what are my shortcomings? And so the only way that you can get better is if you have someone who's already been through it. So to answer the question, does a leader need a leader? Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, you you were mentioning our podcast, account, uh, Accountability. Okay, yeah. One of the things that um, George Maswell said that the best people to ask if you're a good leader is your followers. What do you mean by that? It's the people around you, the people you inf- bring the influence. Okay. If I'm going to ask Sammy, what do you think about my leadership? I'm not going to ask uh, people that do not know me. True. I will ask somebody that what? That knows me. I, I will ask somebody that we work together. We, we're in this journey. Who is the best person to tell me if I'm a good or bad? Is the people are around me. So that's why it's a key to be around people that we have a really accountability so we can say, you know what? You're wrong. And that's you, why a leader needs a leader because yes. you need someone that uh, if you're in a position where you are influencing other people, you always, that's kind of, and this is a concept, I'm spoiling it, but John C. Maxwell, the rule of the in, the rule of influence mm-hmm. in his 21 Irrefutable Lost, in order for you to influence others, you must be influenced. Yes, you see? You have to be. You And this concept is a concept that we often see um, that we've discovered with the characters that we've been diving into in our podcast, this concept of authority is essential to leadership. If you're going to be an effective leader, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be effective if you haven't walked under authority, if you haven't been shown what it looks like to lead. Like, I, I love, there's a phrase in Spanish that says, leader que no sirve, oh, okay. no sirve. It, it doesn't translate as good in, in English, like, I don't know. It, it doesn't have the translation, but w- what it's saying in Spanish is that a leader that isn't willing to serve mm-hmm. is essentially useless. Yes. Because a leader isn't just meant to lead. A leader is meant to serve. And you can only serve 
if you're under authority. Mm. It's a concept. It, it, we see it with Moses. Moses was under Jethro's authority. We see it with Joseph. Joseph was under Pharaoh's authority. We see it with Daniel. Daniel was under the authority of Nebuchadnezzar, the king. Never once did they speak out of place. Never once did they insult the king. Never once did they insult the Pharaoh. Never once did Moses... Nunca le faltó el respeto a Jethro to the point where even he had to go and ask his uncle for permission to leave Midian after God had talked to him. Yeah, yeah, I I remember that. So you ask yourself, what does it take to be a good leader? Add everything that we've just said, plus this last caveat that I love that this person asked is, does a leader need a leader? Absolutely. Definitely. Because if we're to put it against the ultimate test and the ultimate leader of all time, There's no better example than that. He's operating under divine authority, the authority of God, the authority of, in this case, his father. He is a, it's a son and father relationship. That's a relationship where you're operating under authority. So does a leader need a leader? Absolutely. And we encourage you guys to find those leaders. Like if you're a young leader right now, you need, you need to be mentored. You need, I need to be mentored. I'm 21 years old. That's why we do stuff like what we do here in the Into the Waves podcast, why we bring these types of things, because the reality is that all of this is not meant to be done alone. Nothing. Nothing was meant to be done alone. From the start of humanity, it's just not in the design of us. We are designed for connection. Connection with who? With each other, with people. And that's what we love, man. You got anything else to add? I, I, I like the way you're closing this, wrapping this um, episode that leadership is about serve. I really, I kind of, <laughs> I like it because it's about serving, serving others. Serving and someti- others. And sometimes that's the hard part. Even Jesus said to the disciples that one that want to be the first, he needs to serve all of them. All of them. Can you imagine to be the first one? To serve everybody. And sometimes that's when we got confused. Right. Serving is a true character of a leader. You need to serve. Leaders are not wrestling for position. No. They're wrestling for the people. No. That's the true. Yes. If we're to summarize, you know, the entire season two into one big, nice, fancy red bow on top of everything, it's that. And so... We just encourage you guys. We're wrapping up season two. We got great things coming for season three. This week is going to be hot, y'all. We have this dashing, handsome young individual who's going to be joining us on the podcast. I'm finally going to get someone else my age on here. Woo! Don't displace. I'm not the, spoiling don't, it. Don't say the name yet. I'm not spoiling it. The, <laughs> this, this is a high-level high person, man, high-profile. You guys are not going to want to miss this week's episode coming up. Episode 21. We're going to kick off season 21? Yeah. Wow. 21 means a lot. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not a numerology expert. I'm, I'm still learning, but I'm, I'm excited to learn. And, you know, like I said, we really just encourage you guys, as always, yes. we say this on every single episode. Stay wavy, y'all. Manténganse en la ola. Y'all stay wavy. Y'all keep rocking with these waves. And we're going to keep growing. And as always, we encourage you guys to share this podcast. If you guys felt like it was a enjoyable, if you felt like it was fun, let us know. Connect with us on social media. Yes, yes. Send us messages on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, whatever. Instagram at uh, RT Paredes. That's yeah. my... Uh, Our Instagram handles. Because, again, we we tried... We live-streamed yesterday, y'all. There was a whole live-stream. We had... It was a, so good. It was, it was fire, yes. bro. So, like, if you guys want to be engaged with that stuff, 
Follow us on Instagram. It's one of our main forms of marketing. As we mentioned, um, we're trying to grow and we're yeah. going to keep pushing different avenues, but that's one of our main ones that I love. I love Instagram and I find it really fun. So again, follow us at RT Paredes. That's your handle at Samuel dot Paredes. So like a period in between my first and last name, Samuel Paredes. And if you guys want to be a fan of the movement, you guys got to follow at Somos Waves Somos because waves. we're all waves. We're all part of that. We're all making waves. So that's why the handle Somos Waves because we're a family. We're a team. We love you guys. And as always, we encourage you guys to stay blessed. We love you guys. And we will see you guys in the next one. I bless you all. Take Ciao. care. Manténganse en la ola. Stay wavy, y'all.